Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Dublin, Ireland with my new friend, Dr. Jennifer of SidewalkSafari.com. Dr. J grew up in the U.S. and moved to Dublin in 2010 to take advantage of a career opportunity. She thought she'd only be there for a year, but she loved it so much that she'd been there for more than a decade. In this episode, Dr. J and I talk about Tradfest, which is Ireland's largest traditional and folk music festival, visiting the Guinness Storehouse to sample some beer, and seeing the thousand-year-old Book of Kells. About these three amazing experiences and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Dublin. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Jen. Welcome to the show. Hi there, Lee. Great to be here. Today, we're talking about a city that I love. I got a chance to visit there numerous years ago, Dublin, Ireland. It's such an awesome city, and I love it. I can't wait to hear all about it from you. I'm excited to be able to tell you all about it. Right on. So what's your connection to the city? So I actually moved here about uh, 10 years ago from the U.S. Uh, You can probably tell from my accent, I'm not uh, from Dublin originally, but uh, I work in the tech industry and had an opportunity to move over here, like I say, in 2010. One of the top goals of my adult life was basically to to live abroad. And so when this opportunity came up, I I just jumped at the chance, Um, even though I'd... uh, never set foot in Ireland before making this, the decision to move here for a year. You know, for a year, how bad can it be? And uh, <laughs> turned out that that year in Dublin was really transformative. And uh, yeah, my husband and I loved it so much. We're still here 10 years later, more than 10 years later. That is so awesome. Yeah. Sometimes like you just got to take that chance and worst case, you can always move back, but sometimes it can change your life uh, so much for the positive. I couldn't agree more. Like it, it definitely uh, changed our trajectory, so to speak, but uh, really excited to have the opportunity and to have changed my life in this way. That's so awesome. So now that you've been there for over 10 years, if you had to describe the city or the people in just a couple of words, how would you do that? Well, I guess the boring answer would be uh, friendly. Everybody talks about how friendly the people in Dublin Dublin are. But if I want to maybe give you a little bit of an Irish twist on that, I would say Dublin can be summed up as, as grand. Uh, it's all good. It's fine. Like that's uh, what grand means in an Irish slang sort of capacity. The other uh, way you might describe it is brilliant or deadly, which uh, means great if you're if you're from around here. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say like when, when I visited there, I mean, everybody was absolutely super friendly. The town itself felt like it felt like a, like a small village almost instead of like kind of a bigger city. And, uh, we just had a wonderful time. We, we were actually there during Oktoberfest. So it was odd Americans coming to Ireland and then enjoying ourselves at Oktoberfest, which is obviously a German, uh, you know, festival type of thing. So <laughs> I've been to Oktoberfest in Dublin, uh, several, several times now. So it's a lot of people don't know this about, about Dublin. It's actually quite an international city. So we've got people from all over Europe, all over the world who've made their homes here. You know, largely I would say because of the, the tech industry presence, 
yeah, Ireland really does have that international vibe, including including plenty of German people, as you say. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, like when we visited, it was around like September time, and the weather was pretty good. There wasn't much rain, and, and just had a light jacket and everything. What's the weather like throughout the year? And is there a certain time that's better to visit than others? Sure. Well, I would say, first of all, Dublin gets a bad rap for weather and Ireland in general, just, oh, the weather's terrible, but I'm you're looking out my window right now and it's nothing but blue skies. So it's it's sort of an unfair reputation. The thing that stands out to me about Dublin weather is it's it's never too hot or too cold, which really suits me. In the summer, you know, the temperatures rarely give, get above about 70 degrees Fahrenheit. In the winter, it might get down to around freezing. It's about freezing now, um, maybe in the 30s and 40s, but usually not below and maybe just maybe it snows every once you know once in a decade or once every you know, like I say five or ten years it does rain quite a bit but it's usually on and off and not an all-day rain out sort of deal people here are fond of saying if you don't like the weather wait five wait five minutes <laughs> in terms of the times of year that you might want to visit I think spring is really a good time to visit after Easter in particular uh, the days are getting lot longer the flowers are in bloom it's also shoulder season, so Dublin's not yet overrun by by tourists. Uh, it's quite D- Dublin. It can be quite a popular tourist destination or a cruise ship destination. You do get the best weather and the long daylight hours in the summer. You know, peak summertime, you know, end of June kind of time frame. The sun rises before five in the morning, and it doesn't set until after ten o'clock at night. But you do need to trade that off against that. You know, that's the high season, so higher costs and, and crowds. Yeah, I guess that's one of the good things is because Dublin and Ireland are so far north when it is summertime. I mean, it's all day long. You get that sun, which is awesome. But conversely, during the wintertime, the days are pretty short, right? Now, that is true. So, so yeah, the, I take a walk with my husband every day for a coffee in the morning. And this time of year, you know, we're out and about at 8 or 8.30 in the morning. And it's still still kind of dark. Uh, so kind of sad there. And then the sun goes down around 4, 4.30. So, yeah, it is a, it's a double-edged sword, I guess, being so far so far north. But nothing a little bit of a you know, sad lamp or a little, you know, a little bit of artificial light can't conquer. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now, as far as like, uh, if somebody's planning their visit, are there certain like festivals or events that occur throughout the year that maybe they want to plan a trip about? Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of like music festivals and such in the summer. Um, I would say come and visit in the fall if you like theater. The Dublin Fringe Festival, the Theater Festival, those all happen in sort of the September, October timeframe. Even though I don't strictly recommend visiting in January because it can be very dark and, and on the cold side. If you happen to be in Dublin, this is when the uh, Irish Trad Music Festival takes place. So lots of great local music playing in, in various pubs and other venues around the city. Uh, if you're a sports fan, come in August if you want to experience 80,000 raging fans uh, cheering for their county to win the All-Ireland Hurling or Gaelic football finals. Catching a match, catching a game in Croke Park, it's really, really an experience to be had. So I'd recommend that. That sounds pretty fantastic. Now, like when we visited, uh, we flew from Boston uh, using uh, Aer Lingus. There's like a, a, a travel hack where you can use British Airways Avios, and it's really cheap because it's a distance-based award. And so we flew Aer Lingus there to, to the Dublin airport. Obviously, that's where we're going to fly into. And then from there, from the airport getting into the city and everything else, how would you recommend doing that? Should we rent a car? Is there public transportation? Do we take Uber? Like, What's the best way to get around? If you're going to stay in Dublin in the city proper uh, and make that the focus of your trip, I don't recommend renting a car. There can be quite a bit of traffic. The roads are 
rather narrow. I mean, Dublin as a city is over a thousand years old. So yeah, there's a lot of tiny laneways and, and things that you know can be a little harrowing. Plus we, we drive on the left over here. So if you're coming from the US, uh, you have to adjust for that, obviously, which can be a big, a big change. Getting from the airport to the city, there's a service called Aircoach that you can hop on and it'll drop you off right in the city center. Uh, and it's you know, pretty reasonably priced. It'll be less than 10 euro or so per person uh, one way into the city. Uh, you can also take a taxi. So not taking into account traffic, if it's if it's not rush hour, for example, uh, you can get into city center in you know, 20, 25 minutes max uh, by taxi. And that'll cost you anywhere between 20 and 30 euro for that, uh, which is pretty reasonable compared to other major European cities. Like if you think about taking a taxi to the airport in London, not even close, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. <laughs> And in terms of Uber, et cetera, so Uber in Ireland is a little bit different. So we have Uber as a service, but it's all licensed drivers rather than, you know, locals uh, picking you up like the legally private citizens aren't, uh, you know, the, basically rideshare services are run by uh, taxi companies or, or uh, corporate ride services types of things. Yeah. So, so it's basically a traditional taxi with just like a fancy app. At that point. Uh, yes, exactly. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of fancy apps, in terms of getting around uh, Dublin, the Free Now app, so you can use that to hail a taxi. You can you can hail taxis on the street as well, but just for convenience and, and, and uh, if you want to pay by credit card, basically using the Free Now app to hail that cab. That's my recommendation. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll include a link to that in the, in the show notes for sure. Like for us, I, I, I'm trying to remember because it was probably like seven or eight years ago when we came. I think we took we took some sort of public transportation that dropped us off like right near like the visitors bureau, and there was a little bit of construction that was going on, and and we were a little lost at first, but we we quickly figured it out. One thing that I really loved about getting around the city because we stayed we stayed at the uh, the Radisson Blue St Helens, so it was a little bit outside of the city, but the public transportation like the buses were were super clean, efficient. They're really cheap. One thing I loved, especially back then, because we didn't have as good of cell service, was that they had Wi Fi on all the buses, which was awesome. The buses are good. You've got the Luas tram for getting around the, the city. And then and then the Dart train will take you up and down the coast. So for locals, like we have what's called the leap cards. You can put money on the card and then just you know, tap and pay as you get on and off the uh, the bus or train. And th- there is a tourist version of that that you can buy for a period of days and just make it easier to get around on, on public transit. The other the other thing that um, I was going to mention that I really noticed when I first moved here, like when you're when you're riding the bus, literally everyone thanks the driver as they exit the bus. Like there's, there's just this great like friendliness and appreciation. So you wouldn't think about getting off the bus without saying thank you to the driver, to the driver. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I think people need to do that more often just anyways. I mean, cause I think some of those jobs, whether you're a bus driver or, you know, a, a taxi driver or even like concierge or, or somebody that's just being a server at a restaurant or whatever, I think there's a lack of appreciation for these jobs that are actually quite difficult. No, I hear, I hear you. So I, like, like I said, I find that charming and I just, I just love it. And I, I buy, I buy into it a hundred percent. That's so awesome. Now, like I said, I, when we stayed, we stayed kind of outside the, outside like the city core, the hotel was beautiful. I mean, uh, it was awesome grounds and everything like that, but we didn't really stay there that much because we were always kind of exploring everything that's going on in the, in the city. Cause we we're only there for a couple of days. Where would you recommend people stay when they're visiting Dublin? If you stay around Stevens Green, uh, St. Stevens Green, if you want to be in the heart of everything in Dublin, I would say Ballsbridge or Grand Canal Dock are actually good choices if you want to be central, but not too central. 
in general, if, if you're south of the River Liffey, it's considered to be more posh. Areas north of the River Liffey, the so-called north side of Dublin can be a bit edgier. I wouldn't recommend staying in Temple Bar because it's just, I can imagine how noisy it would be uh, with, uh, with all the crap going on at all the hours, all hours of the day. <laughs> uh, it's like one big party. I would say there are a number of hostels and less expensive accommodation along Gartner Street on the north side, but it's definitely an edgier part of town. I probably wouldn't go there. You know, there's, there's, like I said, plenty of other options in, in some of the places that I mentioned before. Now, in terms of specific places that I can recommend, of, of course, you know, full disclosure, I haven't stayed in that many hotels myself since we live here, but I can personally, I can personally recommend the the Wilder Townhouse. My husband and I actually stayed there last year to celebrate our anniversary. And it's this really cool boutique hotel that was once a home for retired governesses. Oh wow. And yeah, and it's situated in a 19th century brick building. It's it's just a short walk from the National Concert Hall and from St. Stephen's Green. If you go the other direction from the hotel, you hit the Grand Canal, which is a lovely place that locals like to walk. And uh, the breakfast was really good and the beds are super comfy and that the rooms are named after former residents. So it's, it's, got, it's got a lot of character is how I would describe it. Now that sounds fun. Wonderful. And I think, uh, you know, as much as I love using my, my hotel points at like a Marriott or Hilton or something like that, I think being able to experience something like that, that's a little bit more local, a little bit more boutique and, and unique uh, is a much better way to experience different cities uh, than just like a cookie cutter hotel in the middle of, of, of town. No, couldn't agree more. And I, I would also say just to add, add to that, like I ha- there's a, a few different places that family members have stayed that I can recommend that also um, I think your, your, your listeners will appreciate. So there's, there's the marker in Grand Canal Dock. It's super posh, has a fabulous rooftop bar. We've got the Dillon and, and Balls Bridge on Baggett Street. So this is it's rumored that this is where Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg actually stayed when he visited Dublin. And it's a boutique hotel in another historic building, again, walking distance to city center and uh, historic Baggett Street has a lot of cool restaurants and pubs and such. And then the other one that I'll mention is just the Schoolhouse Hotel, which I find to be truly unique. It's located, like it says on the tin, in a historic uh, schoolhouse. And it's actually also home to one of my favorite pubs in Dublin. Oh, that's awesome. We'll talk about the drinks in a, in a minute, because obviously you know, drinking is part of the Irish culture uh, and everything, and it's something that I enjoy. But while we're there visiting Dublin, like, what are some of like the major attractions we should do while we're there? Dublin is a little different than other major cities that you might think to go in Europe. You know, if there's, there's not like that one thing. Like in Paris, you'd go see the Eiffel Tower or in London, you'd go see, you know, Big Ben, Parliament. Uh, I always think of the movie Vacation where they're <laughs> going around the, the traffic circle. But I, th- I think Dublin really is more about that collective experience rather than that one big thing. But th- that said, there are some things that are popular with tourists. To riff on the drinking piece a little bit, I would, I would say the first thing you need to do is pick your poison. So is it whiskey or beer? If you do favor beer, go to the Guinness Storehouse. That's the number one tourist attraction in Ireland. So that's where uh, Guinness Stout is made and it's been made since the 18th century. I would say in general, it's important to know that the quality of a pint of Guinness increases the closer you get to the source. So even if you tried Guinness before and you didn't like it, have a pint in Dublin or or better yet, do it at the Guinness storehouse because that that is really the truest test of whether you like or don't like Guinness. It, d- it just doesn't travel well. Oh, sure. Book online uh, to avoid the queues. It is quite popular. We did that tour and it's not just show up and have a beer. It's a really cool immersive experience. And, uh, you know, definitely set aside if you're budgeting your time a couple of hours because you're going to want to spend a little bit of time walking through all the exhibits and and experiencing everything they've done. And they've done a really good job as far as making it something that's really enjoyable for everybody. 
it's, it's immer- immersive across uh, several stories, you know, so you're building up to that pint of Guinness as opposed to just uh, getting it as you walk in the door. So it's yeah, pretty, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. So that, that's the beer side of the equation. I think if you're into whiskey, there's the Jamison Distillery in Smithfield. Dublin's whiskey scene has really been reborn in the last decade or so, especially in the heart of the Liberties. That's the neighborhood where the Guinness storehouse is and like a lot of these whiskey distilleries, like I'm saying. So so Teeling is one of Dublin's most popular boutique distillers. And then um, I would definitely recommend taking a tour of Pierce Lyons. So their, their tasting room is actually situated in a deconsecrated church. And it's a place where there's been a church on site since the 12th century, which I think is pretty cool. And then in the, in the tasting room itself, the normal sort of religious uh, windows have been replaced with this amazing stained glass that depicts various elements of the whiskey distilling process. So it's sort of like the altar to whiskey. It's pretty cool to see. Oh, that does sound like a lot of fun. For listeners that aren't into drinking or basically want to save their liver a little bit (laughs) and and do things beyond just drinking, what are some of the other things? I I know obviously like the Blarney Stone is like something that's kind of popular, but I know from being warned from the people we spoke to when we visited, don't actually kiss it because some of the locals do things that aren't (laughs) sanitary. Uh, I guess that's the nice way of saying it. I have kissed the Blarney Stone. I, I, I think if you're if you're focusing your trip on Dublin, just be aware the Blarney Stone is and Blarney Castle are closer to Cork, so that's probably like a two and a half to three hour drive from Dublin. So it'd be a pretty ambitious day trip if you wanted to do that. But in terms of things in Dublin that are not centered around drinking, there are definitely a variety of things. I would say the Book of Kells is quite popular. So it's an ancient religious text that's homed in a really cool library at Trinity College Dublin. And it's you know, it's over a thousand years old. The book itself has been in Trinity since the 17th century. And it was moved here from the Abbey at Kells, which is a town maybe oh, about an hour outside of Dublin. Uh, and it was moved to Dublin for safekeeping when Oliver Cromwell actually invaded Ireland. So this is you know, steeped in history. I would say like part of that experience of visiting the Book of Kells is walking through that magnificent old library. It just oozes atmosphere and history. It is quite popular. I would say one alternative recommendation I would have if you're, I know I'm an impatient person. I don't like queuing <laughs> and waiting for things. As an alternative, you could go to the Chester Beatty Library um, near Dublin Castle. So entrance is free and the museum is home to this, this huge collection of ancient religious texts. And then nearby Marsh's Library, located just behind uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, can give you that sort of historic library fix. I did want to point out, though, because like Marsh's Library is really cool, but it's open rather limited hours. So just check ahead before you go. The hours should be on Google Maps, for example. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is there like an app or, or a website or anything like that that maybe has different promotions or or different ways where you can maybe skip the line or save a little bit of time instead of, uh, instead of having to be stuck in that queue? Yeah, I think a lot of the attractions like Book of Kells, Guinness Storehouse, etc., like you can book online, book your tickets online, and and basically you can rock up then and and, and just go right in and not have to have to queue up. If you're looking for discounts and deals, I would say um, thetaste.ie is a good go-to site for local local deals. I think that yeah, those are my two main main recommendations. All right. And then, like you said, there's a lot of history, you know, in, in the Dublin area and everything. I guess like, people don't really recognize here in the U.S. that there was like the Irish independence that, you know, fight that they had to go through and everything else. And there's a couple of different historical places related to that, too, as well. Right. 
Yes, I was I was going to say many many of Dublin's top attractions are tied to the struggle for Irish independence. So you've got places like Kilmainham Jail, you've got Glasnevin Cemetery. So these are important destinations if you're if you're a history an Irish history buff. I would say the the 1916 walking tour is also super fascinating if you want to really dive into the history and really understand Ireland a bit better. Those are a few a few of the the attractions that I recommend checking out. Obviously, walking around and exploring all this history and, and all these fun attractions, you know, kind of you kind of work up an appetite. One of the places we really enjoyed when we were there is a place called the Bullen Castle. It was like a like a steak place. It was right near that that city center. It was a pretty wonderful meal. Uh, I got to try a bunch of different steaks and everything. They had like a whole like steak tasting platter. So, as a guy that loves the red meat, I mean that was that was an awesome experience. But what are some of your favorites? Yeah, I could talk about food and eating for days. Like, don't don't get me started. Dublin does have a reputation for having a rather blah food scene, but it's totally unwarranted. Couldn't be further from the truth. If you look at um, how Dublin has evolved over the past decade or so, Dublin's become home to a lot of international companies, influx of people from all over the world. And um, this has really been accompanied by a rise in restaurants featuring cuisines from around the world and um, as well as sophisticated Irish focused options. I can give you a few examples of places that I like, some of my favorites. First of all, there's there's South Bank in a neighborhood called Harold's Cross, which is great for brunch. Uh, so I like you know eggs on toast and coffee to get my fix there if I go for brunch. Uh, Zakura on Bagot Street is great for ramen. Uh, for a more sort of traditional Irish food experience, I love Searson's uh, also on Bagot Street. Uh, it's got a great pub atmosphere. And uh, you can order a rotisserie chicken and a pint. Uh, sometimes they have music on the weekends, you know, regularly advertised sets, which, which is super fun. I think the other the other thing to mention is Ireland has an amazing craft beer scene. So keep an eye out for the Galway Bay pubs. Um, I like the Gasworks, which is not too far from city center in Balls Bridge. And yeah, they have fantastic Irish craft beer and um, some you know, fun comfort food. You can think about it as like high-end burgers and fries and stuff, stuff like that. The other thing that I'd be remiss if I did not point out is that Dublin's coffee scene is also super amazing. I remember you saying that this episode is, is following one from Sydney, Australia, which it, you know, is tough to beat when it, when it comes to great coffee. But I, I, would, I would argue that Ireland is up there in terms of the excellent coffee. We have a ton of really cool small roasters here in Dublin in particular. Silverskin is one of my favorites. These small roasters are supplying a, a huge range of coffee shops. So places like Art of Coffee, Coffee Angel, Bear Market, Jared's on the Liffey and the food game. Like these are some of my go-to places. There's even a hipster coffee hatch uh, that's opened in, in an old school uh, hardware store on Bagot Street. It's called United Coffee. My, my husband and I actually go for a walk every morning during the week and we pick out a different coffee shop to visit every day. So I'm, I'm all about my Dublin coffee. <laughs> You're speaking to my <laughs> wife's heart because she's all about the coffee. I actually don't drink coffee at all, but you know I always take her to these places that have really awesome coffee. And so, so I'm definitely taking notes on those. That's good. I was gonna say, how do you how do you, how do you maintain your energy level without the coffee, Lee? <laughs> uh, Red Bull, Monster, or just water and Gatorade, you know. So okay, no, you're so you're not totally <laughs> off caffeine. Just like I, I hear you, you just just not not into the coffee. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I try not to drink caffeine. I actually stopped drinking like soda, like coffee. I mean, like Coke and like those type of uh, drinks more than like ten years ago, and I don't know what it was like. It, I've been able to just kind of maintain the energy, even though I don't have the caffeine very often. But but I do drink like energy drink if I know I'm going to be working late. Well, well, good on you, as they say here in in, in Dublin. So <laughs> good, good for you for for uh, taking that plunge. 
So say we're getting ready for the, to go out for the day and go to exploring and all these amazing different attractions in Dublin. Where would we go for like a really good breakfast before we head out? Ah, really good breakfast before you head out. Casey Peaches is fun. There's a number of Casey Peaches locations around Dublin city center and and out into Grand Grand Canal Dock. So you can order delicious baked goods with your coffee. And yeah, they they also have various like egg dishes and and such as well. Uh, It's actually run by run by an American who's been living in Ireland for years and years. So but it's, it's a very locals place. It's not like American style, so to speak. But that's that's one of the places I would consider going. Well, right on. Well, well, again, uh, Jen, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips. I learned so much about Dublin. I can't wait to go back. I had, I had an amazing time, and I'm, I'm going to have even better time with all these different tips. So now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Dublin, where should they go and what should they eat? That is always a very good question. So I would say get yourself a carvery. It's kind of like a turkey supper, like a Thanksgiving supper or get a roast. Fill yourself up, energize yourself for the trip. So I would say Carvery at O'Neill's. It's it's a more centrally located pub or at Bar 51 in Ballsbridge. Right on. I'm all about that turkey sandwich. It kind of reminds me of like Thanksgiving, you know? <laughs> okay, so you've been there for a little bit over a decade. Uh, I'm sure you had some like, amazing experiences. What's one of your most memorable stories? I would say walking past Enda Kenny in Marion Square Park. So Marion Square is, is the, the Taoiseach. The Taoiseach is basically Ireland's equivalent to the Prime Minister of the UK or the President of the US, basically. And I remember thinking, like, this is something that would never happen in the US. Like, it, it just really reinforces that human scale of Dublin, which I really appreciated. That's so amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so, so cool when you have a kind of like that almost like human connection with, uh, with some of the people that are pretty high up there, you know? Exactly. So speaking of good memories and good times, where's the happiest place for happy hour? <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a pub on nearly every corner, or at least so it feels in Dublin. The one thing to point out in Ireland, you aren't allowed to have drink specials in the same way that they do in the U.S. So don't expect you know two for one drinks, uh, etc. I would say though, like you'll get that similar happy hour atmosphere though. Like the pubs will generally be buzzing after work and before sports matches. Yes, you know, so if you're looking for that that vibe. Do you have like a couple favorite pubs or anything that you recommend? Yes, I like Beggar's Bush in, Ball, in Balls Bridge. It's uh, it's very much a locals pub, so it's if you want a quiet pint, like that would be the place where I would I would go. And then um, I think in town, like Toners is fun, the Long Hall. Like there's a whole a whole bunch of really like classic Irish pubs, and I think it's, I think it's important when you're here to check out a historic pub. There's also a lot of really cool modern pubs or modern craftier types of places like like Urban Brewing, for example, in the CHQ. So uh, like I say, everywhere, <laughs> everywhere is, <laughs> is the happy hour in the pub. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to fit right in at home you know, over there. Yeah. So, <laughs> now, one of the things I always do when I travel, and I didn't get to actually get a chance to, to do this when I visited Dublin the first time, I always check out the local pizza. Where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Dublin? I like Polly's Pizza in Ballsbridge. They do a yummy pie. That's that's for sure. Um, and, I, and I believe I have had their pepperoni. I, t- I tend to be more like cheese and mushroom sort of person, but uh, I would say Polly's is good for pizza just in general. Well, fantastic. Now, obviously, you took the plunge. You you left the U.S., came there to the Dublin, and, and planted roots. I mean, and so, uh, I'm sure you traveled all sorts of other places as well. So, what's one of your best travel tips? My mantra is that every place is worth visiting at least once. So like my husband and I, we purposely sought out, 
you know, different neighborhoods in Dublin and across many places across Ireland, you know, to visit that many people would just skip skip right over. So I do find that there's always something fascinating and delightful to do no matter where where you go. That's sort of my my general philosophy on, on travel. I don't necessarily want to play favorites on different destinations <laughs> that you might want to go. We've been to so many places, it's really hard to pick pick just one. But I, I will just reinforce Dublin is a fantastic home base for traveling, traveling all around Europe uh, with great and relatively inexpensive flights for getting uh, to destinations across Europe. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that a lot of times people just try to cram too much into one vacation. What I like to do a lot of times if I'm going to someplace new, maybe I'm going to hit up a bunch of like a, like a handful of different cities and like, I get like almost like an appetizer of each different place. And that way, you know whether or not you want to kind of plunge in and, and the next time you visit there and like spend like an entire week or, or even two, you know. So if you just show up to the, these different places, maybe spend a day in like Dublin, then a day in London, then a day in Paris or whatever, and just try out these different places. And then that way, figure out what you like more. And then that way, the next time you go, then you can say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend more days there and be able to kind of get a deeper experience. And that way, if you don't like it, you know you're only going to be there for like a day or two. And that's fair. I think the flip side of that coin, though, is just being go, go, go all the time. Like, I always have this FOMO, like fear of missing out. Like, oh, we've been here. You know, we're only here for a day and I'm sure I've missed out on eight other things. But, <laughs> but I guess what you're, what you're saying is uh, you, you have the opportunity to, to come back again and kind of be choosy about where you spend a longer period of time. So great tip, Lee. Well, Jen, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do and Sure. So I am. I work full time in the tech industry, but I'm also a, a part time travel blogger at Sidewalk Safari, and I've been blogging for the past ten years or so. And since moving to Ireland uh, in 2010, there's a lot of focus on the blog about things to do in Dublin. You can check out my locals guides on things like the best doors of Dublin, the best free things to do in Dublin, Dublin hidden gems, for example, as well as um, over 25 uh, distinct one day itineraries in Dublin that you can you can check out. So. Yeah, just love it here and want to share that that love of Dublin with uh, with folks around the world. That's so awesome. So if, if somebody has questions about, about Dublin or about your site, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Well, social media, t- Twitter is probably the best way uh, to get in touch. So I'm uh, at Sidewalk Safari. I'm also active on Instagram uh, at Dr. J underscore Sidewalk Safari. I have a Facebook page as well. If uh, So pick, pick your poison and uh, I'm pretty good about getting back to people who reach out. So thanks very much. Absolutely. We'll include links to all that in the show notes. That way somebody wants to be able to reach out to you. And again, Jen, I really appreciate uh, being able to talk to you and learning so much about Dublin. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Sounds good. I'll buy you a pint there, Lee. (laughs) What an awesome conversation with Dr. Jennifer. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Dublin. We want to say thank you to Awardwall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash award wallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit Boca Raton, Florida to speak with my good friend Jason Hill of shrimptakeboca.com and the founder of the Owl app. In this episode, Jason and I talk about holidays at Winterfest, live concerts at Meisner Park, and hanging out at Boca Lake. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app that we don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. Final call. Passengers must go immediately to gate number eight.